It's car con carne. Let's eat in the car. It's car con carne. And good morning. Here we are in Chicago where it's snowing and people are cursing their existences. I'm James Van Osdell. It is Carcon Carney here in quarantine. And Carcon Carney sponsored by our friends at Siren Records in McHenry. Now, fair warning, if you decide to do your holiday shopping at Siren Records, you're going to probably end up buying a lot more for yourself. It just can't be helped. Joining us today, it's 2 o'clock where he is. He is our libertine lord of lard. He is Raymond Watts of pig it's lovely to see you in actually i didn't think it was possible to view you in daylight i mean if you were truly goth it would have to be dark and <laughs> i think you stuck the wrong label on there i've never <laughs> considered myself goth oh. well you, you you dance around the edges you're goth adjacent let's say uh, i think that yes yeah, some people could sort of slip the goth coat over the shoulders of pig <laughs> i think it's, I mean, Pig does sort of inhabit the borderlands between beauty and horror, which are some of the things that I think goth people would feel, you know, feel maybe fit the same pair of shoes. But, you know, Pig's sort of its own little palace of poison. For sure. Well, yeah. let's talk about the new album right out of the gate. Pain is God. What's the best song on the album and why is it Deliverance? <laughs> Well, I'm glad you like that one. It, it, it does seem to me, actually, that uh, having seen some of the feedback from social media, that some people like Badlands, some people like uh, Rock and Roll Refugee, some people like Stuff No More, uh, Deliverance. There, are, there are seem to be a few that's, you know, different ones, which is great. So I don't know. The best one is your personal favorite. Well, we'll start with Deliverance because this is this is cinematic. It's epic. Um, it quietly begins with bring out your dead, bring out your dead, uh, which we all get the reference. Which harks back. Let me interrupt for a minute. I mean, that harks back. That's a, that's what they used to say during the plague in 1665 here in London or whatever it was just before the Great Fire. You know, they would go around ringing about bring out your dead, bring out your dead, and you would lug your, your, the, the dead bodies out. So there's a little bit of a little bit of a reference there. To what's I, my, well, my point of reference to it is Monty Python. Ah. Uh, Right, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of which, I just walked past Michael Palin when I was walking the dog there. It's great, it's great living near a, a national living treasure. Uh, yeah, the man's a genius. Yeah. Legit. Uh, another thing I like about Deliverance, um, that sweet, fat guitar solo toward the end of it. It's just a great song. Steve White, I believe. Yeah, Steve White, the guitarist I worked with all the way through the 90s and back in the fold now. Um, brings a, a sort of ballast to the big recordings. He he worked on albums like Sensation and Wrecked and Oh No One Gets Out of Her Alive and all those things back then. And then he went on to spend uh, many years with KMFDM in the trenches with them. Back in the pigsty, uh, <laughs> brings that kind of brutal crunch, but also this fabulous kind of I describe it as being a sort of a sort of lyrical lilt to his solos which and they're not he can shred with the best of them but he's also got this kind of really lovely sense of rhythmic phrasing which and, and it's pretty brutal as well it's just great to have him on board again we talked briefly about the overall pig sound and it, it pulls in sounds styles 
and attitudes from all over the place. I'm going to clear my throat. No worries. There we go. That's the beauty of Zoom. <laughs> uh, you mentioned Badland. There are these like body horn sounds on Badland that I just love. They're, they're, they're sexy and outrageous, and they just sound cool on Badland. Are those legit horns or that is that sample? Yeah, no. Um, I, do you know Barry Adamson, who was a uh, bass player in the magazine? And the, the, he, yeah. he, I, I sort of vaguely was part of the same sort of social circle as him way back in the 90s. And I was doing a track called um, One Called One Meatball and One Called Black Mambo, which had various one Latin and one a more bluesy lilt. And I asked Barry about a good trumpet player. He recommended Enrico Tommaso, who played back then on the 90s. And I just, you know, I didn't even know if he was around. I was running Badlands, called up Enrico, bam, and he he blasted those horns down. You know, he did flugel horns and muteds and rips and whirls and riffs. He's just fabulous. And Rock and Roll Refugee, uh, we've got a video for this, but you talked about that chugging guitar. That that, Mm -hmm. that sound makes its presence known early. They're the synths. And I love the smell of rock and roll burning holes inside my soul. You're a lifer. This is... (laughs) Well, it's, it's, you know, I don't think you need to, to be a complete film buff to realise this, and particularly with the helicopters at the beginning, that that's a sort of direct, a direct reference to the, you know, I love this month napalm in the morning from, sure. you know, Oculus Now, of course. Um, and actually, um, yeah, that was, that was just kind of, that's, that's a kind of fun song to do, and it's kind of balls to the wall. And of course, it, for me, you know, I was brought up when I was very young in the early 70s, um, on sort of glam rock, you know, Mark Bolan and, you know, Mud and Sweet and David Bowie. And and that was my kind of thing. But for many, many years, I felt alienated, not alienated from it, but more sort of in the electronic kind of industrial camp. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was nice to sort of marry a bit of the sort of electronic with a bit of the glam guitar thing and have a little car wreck there with those two genres. It's kind of fun one to do. What's your favorite Bowie album? Me, I actually really like Scary Monsters. I I was just having this conversation. I think it's easy to say Hunky Dory. It's easy to say Ziggy. It's easy to say Station to Station. That, to me, is his last front-to-back, unassailable, perfect record. Yeah. I mean, I mean, well, there are so many absolutely fabulous records, but it's the run that went on from the very early 70s right up to Scary Monsters, where it kind of, it all changed a bit um, after that. Mm-hmm. But what, a, what an epic body of work all those albums are. I mean, it's quite astounding to, to create that. Yeah, it's amazing how, how much that music holds up. I, I played it for my son, who's a teenager. He's like, oh, this sounds really cool. That came out in 1980. Anyway. Yeah, <laughs> fabulous stuff. Fabulous sorry, sorry stuff. Love that album. Absolutely love that album. Uh, let's see. It, it, you talked about a sense of fun, and that, that is something that I enjoy, we enjoy about pig sense of humor i mean you only get respect when you're kicking ass kicking ass is on the new album i mean i think yes in the world of industrial and, and the industrial adjacent bands there are hooks the music is chilly it's mechanical in parts it can be scary in parts but they're catchy they're melodic there, there can be a sense of humor whether it's an apocalypse now reference or just lines like that i, I think having a sense of humor and being able to take the piss out of yourself and the music is a yeah. good thing I think it's a good thing. I mean, I think you can still address, you can address issues that are as, as serious as a hand grenade, but you can still kind of put it in a nice box or tie ribbons on it. You know, it doesn't have to be 
And sometimes, for me, I find, you know, lecturing from the pulpit is a bit of a turn off for me. So I prefer to sort of wrap things up sometimes. It's just, and I don't know where it comes from with me. It just, it just appears. I mean, call it your muse or whatever. I don't know how it is, but it just comes out like that. So, you know, I pick up the ball and run with it. It seems to me, and I think you'd probably agree, you're in, you're in the middle of a, a real renaissance, a real exciting period for yourself. It started four years ago with the gospel. That's right. Yeah. And through the risen or through risen a couple of years ago. And here we are now, it seems like ever since pig kind of reinvigorated itself, it's been all guns blazing. Well, I mean, it's, it's interesting. You should say that I, um, I kind of really burnt the candle at both ends and in the middle, uh, from the late, when I left West Berlin in early 90, you know, working with KMFDM again, Schwein and Pig and Shaft and all these other projects. Um, by the time I got to like 2003, after the last KMFDM tour I was on, I was done. I was just done. And I also had an absolutely raging, many, actually many raging drug habits and addictions. You know, it was like, <laughs> I think... I think those, those those some people talk about how your life becomes really unmanageable. But I tell you, to be on tour and to to be sort of holding together a sort of heroin, benzo, alcohol, cocaine addiction—it's like it's quite it's like it's like organising. It's like running a small multinational. You know, I mean, you really got to be thinking ahead. But so by two thousand three, I was done. And um, although I did some music for like fashion and little films and installations and art things. I was kind of finished with it until about 2015. Yeah, when I started getting really ill, I sort of turned yellow for a start, you know, like everything. I started vomiting all this blood. I had one foot well and truly in the grave, went into hospital, came out, was in and out of hospital, teetering on the edge, eventually went to rehab, didn't know what I was going to do afterwards. Got clean and um, mysteriously, I got an invitation to go and do a, a little uh, industrial festival in, in Calgary and... Uh, from that, I called up NH and Gunter, and they said, yeah, we'll go and do a gig. And then one turned into a tour, and then the booking agent says, have you got an album? So I thought, where am I going with this? Um, I called up Metropolis. They were still in business. They said, yeah, we'd love a record. So um, I did one, and that was the gospel. And then from that, I did another one and another one and another one. And there we go. So uh, who knows it'll, how long it'll last for. But it's, it's, it's nice to be doing stuff again. And the thing that's different about it this time, of course, is I seem to have got, I mean, not just musicians, you know, like Steve White and N. Ash and all these, you know, Mark Heal from Cuban helping loads of people, all these fabulous visual people like Gabrielle Edvy, who did the video and the people who do all the visuals and stuff. There seem to be a lot of people in the camp. And before it was a little bit more back in the day, it was more like me neurotically holding onto the steering wheel, kind of micromanaging and controlling every aspect you know losing losing myself well and truly up me on arsehole there but yeah it's been a it's it's a little bit more it's a little more collaborative now which makes sense to me because my perception of the industrial music scene is it's always been a, very much a community very much everyone knows each other there's so much yeah. cross-pollination between artists and bands yeah, yeah. yeah. so yeah. that makes sense are, are you are you feeling good are you healthy are you are you are you in a good mental space I mean, I don't want to hex things, but I've I, the the di I mean, the difference about doing the, the about the way I work now is I mean, it, 
I was, I did find it quite difficult doing these albums before like Wrecked and Sensation and all that stuff. It was quite a real descent. Now, people always think it was a descent right into the darkest despair filled place that I could go because like people think of descent as being a sort of really negative thing because actually, you know, ascending is somehow sort of, I don't know, I don't know how to articulate it, but descent is also a kind of going into it, a deeper understanding. And I felt rightly or wrongly that I had to go as far down, down into it to, to find something. And I was always ploughing further and further at the coalface, going down, down, down. And that ended up with a shitloads of problems. But also, luckily, now it's not like that. And I don't have to, I don't have to sort of torture myself to feel I'm going somewhere. I could go somewhere in here and with other people and by collaborating that I find is actually more interesting. It is more interesting. But it's not where you, it's not where you, it's where you end up that's important, not where you fucking start off and what you've been through. And I'm just really lucky and I'm really glad to be here and got some great people that I'm working with. So it's been a recalibration, just kind of figuring that out. I like to think of it as a rebirth. <laughs> there it is. Like a phoenix, like a phoenix from the ashes, Raymond Watts. <laughs> I just fucking, yeah. It's, it's whatever it is, but it's, it's good to be doing stuff. <laughs> I, I enjoy the covers you've done. Hollow Notes, yes. Olivia Newton-John. I mean, yeah. you talked about being a child of the 70s. If that isn't proof right there, the, your choices of covers. <laughs> yes. Love yeah. that stuff. Uh, you mentioned, and as you mentioned, KMFDM. Uh, what do you remember about those early days? The presence of wax tracks out in the universe, industrial music ascending, being part of that whole universe. Well, it was it was kind of quite an interesting time, but of course we didn't know what the fuck we'd be doing. I mean, I had a small studio. I met Sasha Kniesko and Nesh, and they were trying to do something. And I said, well, look, I've got this little sampler here, a little 8-bit sampler, brought them into the studio, and we started doing stuff. I mean, it, you know, we didn't even know anybody would like it. It was pretty extraordinary to get one record out, you know, and really surprised that anybody liked it. Um, uh, it was great fun. I remember a lot of, you know, we didn't have a lot of equipment, so you kind of pushed everything to the max, you know, tried to get the most out of your one little synth, your one little drum machine. Um, I remember they weren't, they weren't writing words yet. They were just taking words from like T-Rex and Deep Purple and Frank Zappa and singing them. And I, I was writing, but they did, it was, uh, I think on the first KMFD album, I actually gave them a couple of big tracks, what do you know, Deutschland and The Unrestrained Use of Excessive Force, because I was, oh yeah, I haven't got enough for an album had these two it was a lot more loose and just kind of oh yeah and you know you, you want a couple of tracks here you go so yeah there was a lot more stumbling around. i mean in a way stumbling around in the dark is fucking great because then you you're in that sort of place where i don't know where i am which i find is quite quite an interesting place to be kmfdm kind of had a, a mainstream a close to mainstream moment in the 90s i remember i was working in alternative radio in the 90s when Niall came out and Juke Joint Jezebel started to push forward. I thought, my God, if a song like this can make its way into the mainstream, there's hope for us all. Because it didn't sound like anything else on the radio. It just sounded awesome. It, it, KMFDM was kind of right there teetering around the fringes of the mainstream. What was that moment? Yeah, 
I mean, that that particular song was, I mean, that, the thing that really took that to another level, I think there were two things. I mean, Sasha had a little bass line, but Gunter Schulte's guitar lick on that lifted it to another level. And I was working on this, this lyrical thing, building up the choruses, but there was one other thing. The, the woman who was working on the, the telephone, the, the receptionist in the studio there in Seattle, Bad Animals, called Jennifer Ginsberg. I just needed, I just went out and I was just sort of thinking and trying to write some words. So I said, oh, do you sing a bit? She sang. So I said, do you want to have a go at this? You know, so got her in from the, the receptionist, you know, the sort of wherever it was outside the recording studio, just in the desk there. Got her in, threw her on behind the microphone and she started tracking it up and I was saying, well, now try this harmony and this harmony. So that was a kind of weird little, just a little magical thing that she was there, she could sing and she could also let rip and take it to yeah. another level. And so that one kind of, I was kind of pretty, pretty pleased with the way that one turned out. It was good. Oh, afternoon's work. That's a great story. Just sometimes it's beautiful how that comes together. Just the serendipity of the right person in the right place in the right situation. Yeah, there was another one. Then we, then the album was released and blah, blah, blah. And then we went on, um, I don't know if, I think it was the first or the second tour. We did two tours promoting that record. It was either the first or the second, probably the first one. So actually got a girl in, I can't remember, a very nice girl to do some backing vocals on the live tour. Didn't quite have it. I think the tour started on the West Coast, LA or somewhere. By the time we got to Seattle, I think just before we arrived the day before, I said, look, we really need to get Jennifer on this tour. So we called up the studio and said, would, be, would it be all right if she took five weeks off and came on tour with us? So we got, we got Seattle. We picked her up and put her in the bus and she came on tour and she was on stage with us every night. She really, she had a great voice. And I'm sure she told family and friends, uh, I'm running off to join the circus. I'll be back <laughs> when I get back. <laughs> yeah, happy days. So the new pig album which just came out it's pain is god uh start to finish this is you know we're all we're all at home we're all stuck at home i'm working from home every day uh i have loved just having this on as i've been getting my work done but gives me a little uh little focus little little drive as i'm getting through the the grind of the day it just sounds great and for people who are watching this be it on facebook or after the fact on youtube what they're not seeing is you raymond watts have somehow reversed the aging process besides the fact that the album sounds as good as it does. You look like you're 20 years younger, which is disturbing to me. Well, I think maybe maybe you've got something on your lens there, mate, because it doesn't feel like that. Fair enough. Fair enough. You know, uh, I take these things off. I take these things off for years and years already. So, you know, I'm in Chicago right now. I, I'm, I know you have a special relationship with this city. What can, before I, I cut you loose, what can you say about Chicago? Well, it's the kind of spiritual home, isn't it, of, of that genre, you know, that people call industrial. I mean, whether you like that term or not, it is the spiritual home because of Jim and Danny, because of Wax Tracks, because of the roster of artists. Now, the, the sort of candle is, is carried by, the torch is carried by Cold Waves, which has obviously been sorely missed this year. Let's hope it's happening again uh, next year. And that seems to be a sort of, a sort of, a kind of, it's almost like a sort of, sort of church-like experience and gathering of the clans people fly in and it's it, it sort of still seems to be the spiritual home it is uh love the new album pain is god you are raymond watts thank you so much for doing this today thank you it's been a joy talking to you